Okay, so I so I'm so you know Charlotte is near is not far from the the border the state border between North and right. South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So it's very common for people in North Carolina to in Charlotte I should say will cross into South Carolina because sometimes the gas is cheaper. Right. The liquor's cheaper. So I'll go to do you know um in the Fort Mill area uh <laughs> um Frugal McDougal? Have you heard of that? Um no, I'm not familiar with Frugal McDougal. Okay, all about the Frugal McDougal. Uh <laughs> big fan because half the store is just beer and then half and wine and the half is liquor. And so uh -huh. I guess because of the states they make you they make them split the two like into two establishments. Right. I, because of the I guess the liquor licenses or whatever but it's i mean it's so awesome because you could just be like okay i'm gonna go on the left side i'm gonna get me some stack up on my beer get me some <laughs> get me some vino put it in your trunk then you so want me you, to the liquor store <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm almost upset so you driving out of north carolina and drinking a bar of my liquor oh yeah yeah that's a problem yeah a problem. Just, <laughs> hey, listen i'm so i'm supporting your economy <laughs> well I'm kind helping, of half helping, of it anyway i'm helping with your schools and your roads and your oh, whatever God, else we, whatever it, else they say their their their, their liquor oh, tax God. money goes it, to. It, it, if that's if that's the case, then I need you to buy a whole lot more because obviously it's not, <laughs> it's not doing. Don't, it's not you're like we don't like our schools, our roads are crappy. We still <laughs> recording in progress. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, we have a full slate. roster, slate, thank you, full slate or roster. Full uh, plate? We is it a full plate? How fun? Whatever. Just full shut house? up. Peter. Shut up, all of you. Four servings are. of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, we have a giant heaping teaspoon of Ryan Flurry. Surprise! <laughs> Very funny. Uh, we have. Uh, who do we have? Steve, Mr. Steve Barkley. I like to think I'm the carbohydrate on this plate. <laughs> and of course, Liz Malone. Oh, that makes me the vegetable. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling. See, I'm not used to us all being here. So you guys are. This is I'm not used to this much energy in the room. Well, we can we can try and slow it down for you. Yeah, well, I'll give us time. We, we we can do it. We really can. We can slow this down. Uh, well, how how is everybody? Oh, about the same as usual, I guess these yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about this before uh, the mics came on. I, I don't have any news. I, I don't know really what to, I don't have anything to banter about other than it's really hot. Uh, and we got hurricane stuff going on. That's do true. you? I was going to ask you about that because now whenever yeah. I hear that there's a hurricane or anything like that, I always think, oh, Liz is screwed. Cause... Yeah, no, there's that Hurricane Ian is, yep. is, 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 oh. is definitely... it hitting your way? It's hitting Florida. That's what's going to get the wallop first. And then it's going to probably make its way up. And 
I think it, you know, we got to see what the, the latest models say, but I'm sure the Carolina, I mean, we're, we're supposed to get a, a ton of rain this whole weekend. So at least we're going to be seeing the, the corners of it at the very least. But I heard that that Eastern Canada got walloped with some, some storms, yeah, some hurricane Fiona. activity. Yeah. yeah, we did. And that was yeah. like a first in like how long? Oh, wasn't the first, but definitely one of the biggest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, that's guys... on the that's on the opposite coast from us, though. Yeah. Well, it's still your country. And still what, <laughs> near... Was that Kate? Kate? Was that the Fiona? Name of the hurricane? Fiona. Fiona. Kate. That was an Olsen twin. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's right. I always get that. This is mixed up. Hurricanes, Olsen twins. Olsen twins. <laughs> a great this or that category. Oh, my. Uh, all right. Anyways, Ryan, save me from this. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's figure out what the heck we're doing today. Well, today with us, we have Dr. Lamondre Pugh, who is also the CEO of a nonprofit organization representing people with disabilities called Billion Strong. Welcome, Lamondre. Hey, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having me on the show. Well, listen, we are excited to talk to you. Um, we have been in the past year, we've been talking to a lot more uh, organizations that are sort of tackling uh, disability on sort of a, a higher level on a global level than in the past. We've, we've sort of concentrated on a lot of local organizations. And so it's been really interesting and sort of eye-opening to, to sort of see what um, some, some of these nonprofits are doing um, on, a, on a much larger scale. So maybe just to start, maybe just uh, give us a little bit of a background about you and tell us a little bit about the organization and how it came about. Absolutely. Well, I am um, I am a person with a disability. I have spinal muscular atrophy, um, and basically, what spinal muscular atrophy is, in a really quick uh, nutshell, is that my body does not produce a specific protein that is necessary for building healthy muscle. Uh, as a result, I'm a full-time wheelchair user. Um, I need assistance with all of my activities of daily living: bathing, feeding, uh, getting dressed. Um, and just live in this incredibly dope life that I live. Uh, and um, uh, in terms of Billion Strong, Billion Strong is a global identity and empowerment organization. And really our goal is to unite the global community of people with disabilities so that we can come together, speak with a solitary voice, a single voice, and really impact positive change. Um, you know, it, it, it's great to hear you talk about organizations that are doing things on a higher level. And I really think that is um, because of, or, or I think that so many organizations have made that shift now because of the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic really equaled up the playing field for, for, for a lot of perspectives and a lot of views. And, uh, and I think that's one of the reason that you're, reasons that you're seeing that. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, how uh, COVID affected the landscape for people and allowing people to work more at home and, and opening up opportunities for people who, who didn't have them before. But you were speaking about uh, doing stuff on a higher level. Um, we have uh, here in Canada, for example, we have uh, just huge strife within different disability communities. Um, you know, there, there's um, a very 
large group of people who are disaffected around our national blindness organization. And, and there's at least four different organizations that uh, are competing or vying against or uh, actively campaigning against our national blindness organization. How do you how do you bring about cohesiveness when you have these groups that are constantly angry at each other? See, and I, honestly, that is one of the reasons that we exist because we saw all the splinters uh, within the disability community itself. And honestly, that I think is the hardest thing for us to overcome in terms of internally uh, within the community. And honestly, I believe that a lot of that is by design because if you, if you present that resources are scarce and that there is not enough for everyone, people began to silo themselves off and go into their own corners and fight. They fight because they believe they're fighting for the same piece of pie, a piece of pie, as opposed to looking at it as all a pie and the fact that we have so many other things that are in common, so many more other struggles and issues that that we share that if we came together and overcame that then we could affect so much more change for everyone now how do you overcome it i think that a part of what billion strong is about is about empowerment through connection is about getting people together and having the conversations not only having the conversations but actually amplifying those that are doing good work actually amplifying those who have been doing the work and are being effective in it. And instead of competing with them, becoming their mega, uh, their, their bullhorn, you know, becoming their microphone, becoming their amplifier to help people see what it is that they're doing and, and, and realize that impact. So I think a large part of it is changing the perspective from, oh, we're all scrambling for the one piece of pie that exists to say, wait a minute, if we all come together, we can get the whole pie. We don't have to get a piece of it. And so I, I, I think that there has to be some real conversations about that and some real letting down of the guards. I mean, honestly, in any relationship, when you're talking about moving forward, there's a level of vulnerability that has to that has to be there. And I think that sometimes I think that sometimes we're so we're so used to having things stripped away and having to fight for everything that we don't even realize a real ally when we see one. I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of these organizations could be playing a lot better together. And a lot of it just boils down to personality conflict conflicts. Right. Um, and uh, I, yeah, you know, I don't, I certainly don't have the solutions, but uh, you're, you make a really good point about, you know, bringing a pie instead of a piece of a pie, or, you know, maybe somebody can bring a cake, but. Right. Um, Right. But, but let me tell you something, Steve, and, and, and I do believe that sometimes it's about personality conflicts. But again, that goes because people have been fighting so much that they believe that they own it, that they believe that it is theirs. And the problem when you become personality based as opposed to purpose based is that once that personality shifts or that personality gone, that whole fight is over. A lot of times that movement dies with that individual. And my thinking is, let's get more purpose-based. Because here's the thing, when we really began to embrace the diversity that we really bring to the table, because I, you know, and I know that this would be preaching to the choir, but the truth is, we know that disability knows no ethnic boundaries, disability knows no race, disability knows none of those things. In fact, 
disability is the only minority group that anyone can join at any time. And matter of fact, most of the time, most of us will at some point in our lives. But the truth is, we think that that we're a monolith. We think that, oh, if it doesn't think like I do, move like I do, talk like I do, walk like I do, then it's not a part of me. When the truth is, disability is the very definition of what diversity and inclusion should be. And what happens is when we focus only on personality, then our personal likes and tastes come into play. And we abandon and forget the purpose of it all. This is about making the world a better place. This is about giving people access. This is about the ability for people to choose their own life and live their own life and have their own agency. It's not about your personality. It's not about who you want, but we've made it about that. So I agree wholeheartedly with that. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, how, how you sort of describe the organization as, a, as a, an identity organization. Could yes. you speak a little bit to that and just sort of what the, the overarching sort of mission statement is in, in terms of building some sort of a, a, a global disability identity? You know, a lot of times when we talk about disability, we talk about, you know, assistive technology, or we talk about the issues and the barriers that people face, or we talk about, you know, the economics issues and all of those things come into play. But we rarely ever talk about disability as an identity. In fact, when you look at it, according to the World Health Organization, there are over 1.3 billion people on the planet with some form of disability. That's 1.3 billion. And honestly, we believe that that estimate is extremely conservative. I believe probably that is probably like 1.7 to 1.8 billion people on the planet with some form of disability. But one of the reasons that figure kind of is, 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 is such a wide gap is simply because so many people refuse to identify. So there, there are a number of issues, but that's one of the main reasons is that so many people refuse to identify. And why? Well, because if you look at the statistics in terms of the rate of poverty globally, I'm talking about, of people with disabilities. If you're looking at the, 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 the issues that are associated with disabilities, who would want to identify? In fact, there is a stigma in many, in many instances uh, in different cultures around the world where people see disability as a curse. Or when you add disability to something, it all of a sudden becomes devalued or a less than. So there is a stigma associated. And the problem is people with disabilities in many instances begin to believe that stuff. They begin to believe that uh, maybe I am less than, or maybe I can't do it, or maybe I'm not as valuable. And it becomes a part of the identity. And let me tell you this. See, I believe that identity is a two-way street. It's not only about the way that the world sees you, the way that the world says, oh, that's Lamandre. He's XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. But it's also about how you see yourself. When I think of, 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 of who I am as a person, I'm male, I'm a black male, but I'm also a black male with a disability. And none of those things are higher than the other. And they all are a part of who I am. Not one of those things is the defining point of Lamandre, but all of those things are a defining point of who I am. And it is neither negative or positive. It is just simply a state of being. And so a part of the mission of Billion Strong is to help people develop a positive disability identity. And honestly, the other piece of our mission is to empower 
through connection. Because here's the thing. I remember when I was a little boy and I've had my disability all my life. I remember when I was a little boy, I didn't ever think that I could drive and I'm a car nut. I love cars. I love cars as a kid. I never thought that I could drive. But when I was probably about nine years old, I saw a guy in a wheelchair driving and it opened my eyes and it further deepened my love for vehicles. But here's the thing. I would have never, ever even had the inkling that I could if I never saw him. So let's blow that up a bit. The idea behind this is that we could connect people from different parts of the world, from different regions, doing different things at different levels at their life and show them what can be done and make those connections, create mentor situations. Hey, help even entrepreneurs with disabilities grow their companies and even say, hey, you can be an entrepreneur too if you choose to, or maybe you just wanna work on professional development. You see, I, I really believe that many of the issues that we as a community of people with disabilities face are because of how the world sees us, but most importantly, how we see ourselves. And our mission is to raise how we look at ourselves, how we see ourselves, and ultimately how the world sees us as well. You know, I, I really do love that. And I feel like that is a piece of the puzzle that a lot of organizations miss, because I think that you're absolutely right. Historically, people with disabilities, it's just, it, wherever they can, a lot of people, and we hear these stories again and again on the podcast, they don't disclose. They don't want to sort of, if as long as they can hide a disability for as long as they can, whether that's through work or with friends or even with family in some cases, um, mm -hmm. they will do it. And that's historically been because of this stigma that that disability has brought with it. I, I, and I, and I, I completely understand that and how, how big of an impact that that would have on somebody's say self-esteem or how they, they want, they feel comfortable identifying. And that's, I feel like that's a real missing piece that hasn't really been addressed. So I really love this, the, the idea that, that you guys are addressing that and this idea of living authentically and loudly um, yes. about disability, because it's almost like we're seeing something like 20, 30, 40 years ago with the LGBTQ community. Absolutely. And, and, and honestly, it is a movement. You know, this is, we, Billion Strong is not just an organization. We are a movement. Now, of course, we have to organize. We have to do the things in, 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 order, to, in order to move this movement forward. But the truth is, that's what this is about. Um, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because, it, and I have to pause just a little bit because this, this is where it kind of gets bigger for me. I don't see just this just as a movement of persons with disabilities, okay? I look at this as a community movement. So if you are a person with a disability, you belong in this movement. If you love someone with a disability, you belong in this movement. If you simply support the concepts that will empower people with disabilities, you are a part of this movement. We are looking for allies, but honestly, I'm really looking for accomplices, people who will roll up their sleeves and show up and help do the work that's necessary. And the reason that I say this is bigger than just 
people with disabilities because really and you all know this if you make the world better for people with disabilities and i'm talking about accessibility i'm talking about um in terms of socialization in terms of all those things that that make us a society the truth is you make it better for every single person on the planet so my thinking is if we do this right we make the world a better place we impact the world if we do this right um so it's it really is when i think about it sometimes i shake i honestly shake when i think about when i think about the impact that this could really have it scares me but i'm ready for it i'm ready for it i like being scared sometimes so it works well don't let the power go to your head <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's just it. It's not my power. This is not personality-driven, <laughs> man. So, Lamandre, can I, if I can ask you, I would love to learn more about some of the activities that your organization engages in to sort of foster this the positive disability identity movement, um, because you're, you mentioned you, you're looking for allies and, and, and those to kind of roll up their sleeves and do the work. So I'm really trying to understand, like, what is the work so I, I to to kind of get a bigger picture of what Absolutely. your initiatives look like? Absolutely. Well, I, first of all, we're relatively new, so we're still we're still pushing this forward. But I want to give you just some foundational things uh, that we're doing. First of all, we don't believe that we know it all. We don't believe that we can do it all. So right now, we have over ninety country partners, and I'm talking about. Uh, countries all over the globe. I mean, there are over 22 countries in Africa. You know, we've got all the major uh, countries out there. We've got representatives in Syria and all over the place. But the reason that is, is because it's not for us to come in and say, hey, this is what you need to be doing, or this is how you need to do it. But no, the thing, the issue with doing things globally is that there are cultural differences. There are regional differences, even within those different countries, and we can't go in and tell you how to do it, but it's to amplify what's already being done, to hear what's happening on the ground in those in those areas. So it's about uniting people, and we've got, like I said, over 90 uh, partner uh, country partners in those areas. But the other thing that we're doing is we are working on a youth mentoring program where we're actually connecting young people, um, and we're partnering with other organizations to do this as well. We're connecting young people with leaders who are who are like actual CEOs and, and top leaders in their industries and in their in, in 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 their realm of work, and we're having them not just mentor them but actually work together on them to support things like the SDGs, to support things like how do we make this sustainable? How do we work through that? And the idea is that it is an exchange. It is an exchange. Um, so the other thing that we're doing, and this is one of the real crux of what we're doing with Billion Strong is we're creating a completely accessible platform so that people with disabilities from around the world can converse and connect with each other. Because again, we believe in power through connection, empowerment through connection. So we're working on that. And you know it takes money uh, for us to do that. So we're actually uh, raising funds in order to make that a reality. Because as you all know, a large part of the problem is a lot of these platforms are simply not accessible, even if they have some things that maybe and it can work for some people. You really find very few platforms that are truly accessible to a multitude uh, of people with disabilities. So we're working on that as well. 
The other side of that is that we're also working with corporations to connect them with people. Um, because, you know, it, it's so many corporations out there who say that they want to hire people with disabilities. There's so many organizations that say that they want to do it. And they're sincere uh, in, 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 in what it is that they want to do. However, a lot of times the connections are not there. A lot of times they just don't know where to go or, or what to do. So a part of what we're doing at Billion Strong is helping people to connect with people so that they can gainfully employ folks with disabilities. The other piece of that is, as I said to you before, because of the stigmas and the identity issues, we're also looking at providing trainings and uh, for people with disabilities who want to further develop their professional uh, skill set. Um, also working with entrepreneurs who want to work with these corporations, who want to work um, with, uh, with those who are looking at high, um, uh, supplier diversity. So we're making a number of, um, of initiatives that are out there. But again, it's the kind of thing where as one at a time, we're trying to knock them all down, uh, but we're getting it there. And that's why I'm always amazed, you know, with the with the some of the organizations that we do talk to that are working on this higher this global level, mm -hmm. because I don't know how you just don't get overwhelmed immediately when you look at, you know, sort of the landscape and realize all of the moving parts, all of the different personalities, all of the different countries like it, it must feel um, overwhelming at times. And so what you're talking about in sort of just focusing in on one thing and trying to figure that out, um, that, that totally makes sense to me. Absolutely. And I would tell you, we are overwhelmed. It's a scary thing every time we wake up in the morning and we approach this work. But just because you're overwhelmed or just because you're a little nervous about it doesn't mean you don't move forward. And so that's, that's what we do. And the thing that we realize is that we can't do this by ourselves. That's why this is a movement. This is why we have country partners. This is why our thing is to magnify what's already being done and see how we can assist in those areas. And this is also why there we don't compete. We don't compete. This is not a, hey, we're going to one-up you or we're going to do better than you or this is our audience and that is their audience. That's not what this is. This thing is, hey, you guys are doing that over there? That's good work. We're going to help support you in that. How can we link arms with you? to help you push your agenda forward. How can we do that? Now, of course, what that means is that there has to be a lot of courage in order to push that forward. Because I remember I was, um, I was speaking with a, 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 a large company uh, and we were talking about some of the initiatives that we wanted to do. And this was with a group of people with, with disabilities. And we were talking about the very issue that we started out with, we were talking about identifying and someone asked the question well um are you going to help us sue people uh and, and and what do we do when people come up against us about this and it was like you know honestly some of this stuff you may have to take some hits on because in order for change to happen in order for progress to happen there is going to be struggle in fact, it was Frederick Douglass that said, power concedes nothing without a struggle. It never has, and it never will. And unfortunately, although we seem to have a lot of goodwill towards the community, as you know, ableism is a very real thing, and it rears its head in some unusual ways, you will have people 
that are, yeah, 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 we support you. And then at every turn, it seems as if they want to push against you. Well, the truth is we have to buck against that. And we have to be willing to speak out when it's not popular. We have to be willing to stand up when it's not. So it is overwhelming. It is scary. But it's us doing it and not, not just individuals. It is us doing it. We are a movement. You know, it's so interesting to hear you say that. You know, we've been actually talking on the podcast for, for a while now, talking about sort of the, the disability movement at large and sort of lamenting how it, it really seems like in the past, say, decade, um, there have been a lot of equity-seeking movements that have really made some, some large strides. And it, really, it feels like the disability movement really hasn't had their moment yet. And it's, and it's sort of like, you know, how do, you, how do we make that spark? How do, we, how do we get that moment? And what's sort of holding us back? Rob, you know, that's a great question. And I will tell you, I think a part of what it is is that we've got to show up. We got to show up. And what I mean by that, we can't just show up when it's issues that concern disability. As I said to you, Disability is everywhere, every single place there is disability. So we need to show up in the arts. We need to show up when we're talking about at the homeowners association, we need to show up in these areas when there is not a direct correlation to disability and still be vocal and still show up and still show out. Because here's the thing, as long as we stay siloed over in our little corner, every time something comes up, it's going to be, oh, that's for them over there. That's for those people over there. No, we're those people, you're those people. And so we need to show up in places that we traditionally haven't and bring those issues to the table. In fact, this is how you gain allies and accomplices. And I'm gonna tell you just to, you know, when we experienced the murder of George Floyd um, broadcast over and over again on television, I saw something different this time that, that I hadn't seen uh, before. And when Ahmaud Arbery was killed, just jogging through his neighborhood, I saw people who were not black, who were not African-American, standing up and saying, hey, this isn't right. This isn't right. We need to, we need to do something about this. Not what are you going to do about it, but we need to do something about this. And see, I believe that that's what needs to happen. We need to be on the front lines of those movements as well, because we're in it. We're in it. So a part of it, a part of it is to show up. A part of it is not to beg for a seat at the table, but demand it. Demand the seat at the table. Show up, show up and contribute. You know, so I, I believe that that is one of the things uh, that's necessary for us to move forward. And I also believe, as I said, since COVID happened, it has decentralized so many things. You know, before, and, and it's, it, it's just the way of things. Before it was always, okay, you got to go to this particular place and do this particular thing. Now you've got platforms and now people are more open to being able to do what they do right from their location. And people's mentality has shifted to where, oh, yeah, I can do this from right here. I can be a part of this from right here. 
I think that we have to ride that momentum and use that momentum to continue to change people's perception of what it is or what it is to be a power base or to operate from a base of power. It's not centralized anymore. It is decentralized. That is, that is really interesting that you, that you put it like that. Um, because I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, you know, part of the, part of the struggle, you know, in, in terms of like, say, growing up with a disability is that you, there's a good chance that you're sort of growing up with this idea that you need to be cared for, or that other people will, you know, solve your problems. And I'm just curious to know, like, a lot of times, people take that with them into adulthood and into society. And even in sort of the, the, the disability movement, there can be a lot of of an attitude of, well, the government just needs to go in and fix this, these right. people to make things more accessible. You know, it's always like they need to solve the problem. And maybe it is sort of a, a, an attitude shift that needs to happen of, of this, of, of being loud and proud and authentic and advocating for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I've seen that, but I'm going to tell you what was a blessing for me. My mother never allowed me to develop that. Uh, when I was five years old, when, they told, well, when I was 18 months old and I was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy, they gave her, you know, they gave her the worst uh, scenario case. They told her I wouldn't live to be five. They told her that I wouldn't get married. They told her that uh, I wouldn't go to school. They said that I wouldn't have gainful employment. They said all of these things to her and they told her, take them home. Take them home. That's that's what she had to work with. But I love the fact that my mother was a child uh, who who you know who who was born in the fifties and you know came into her own in the seventies. So she went through you know Jim Crow. She went through segregation. She went through all of those things uh, that was happening. So her mentality was completely different. My mother was a rebel, and what she said to me or what she hurt her attitude. And I'll tell you what she said to me later on, but her attitude towards me was, it doesn't matter how much time we actually have. I need to raise you to be a good human. And as a good human, you are responsible for you. When I was about eight years old, in fact, I think I was having, I was, I was having a, a, one of those moments. Cause I was, I was, you know, a precocious little kid. I, I, I pretty much just did my own thing. Um, but I remember one day my mother sat me down. She said, nobody gives a damn about you in that wheelchair. They'll pat you on your head. They'll tell you how cute you are, but they will never respect you. They will never give you your own aid, give you your agency or recognize your agency if you allow that to happen. So it's on you. You're going to have to make it happen. And she proceeded to do things that made me say, ooh, it really is on me. I missed my eighth grade trip because I didn't do what I was supposed to do in order to make sure things were accessible for me. And yes, she could have swooped in and saved the day and I would have saw the Washington Monument, but I would have not have had the lesson of sacrifice. And I will tell you, a lesson learned that sacrifice is not easily forgotten. And honestly, that, that is what she gave to me. But I didn't see that with some of my friends. I didn't see that. They literally, like, it was literally, yeah, Somebody else is supposed to take care of that. In fact, I remember about 10 years ago, I do a lot of advocacy work here in the, in the Columbia area. I live in Columbia, South Carolina, in the area where I live. And it was a transportation issue going on. And my wife at the time was also a caregiver for a gentleman who, was, uh, who had quadriplegia. And uh, he knew me, but he said, yeah, this, this transportation thing, Lamondre needs to do something about that. Like, what? 
what what am I supposed to do about it, bro? You're the one with the problem. So shouldn't you be right here beside me doing this if we're going to do something about it? So there is a pervasive mentality in some instances where people feel like, yeah, the government should take care of that or you should take care of that or somebody else should take care of it. But there is also a new attitude that's rising up. They're saying, nah, it's on me. It is on me and I'm taking responsibility for it. And you know what? I'm living authentically in this. So I think that things have shifted some, but there is, there is, um, there has not been a really good process of passing the experience along to the younger generation of what it was like to live pre-ADA, of what it was like to live before many of the laws that were in place. So a lot of them don't have a clue as to what it is to fight uh, on that level for it. So we, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. Do you think social activism, the way that it was, you know, back in your mom's time is, is practical these days because everybody seems to be so intolerant of dissent of any kind these days. <laughs> I, I think it still has its place though. Um, and, and I will tell you a part of what we've lost is civility. It's like, Indeed. I can't, I can't disagree with you and still see that you're human. I can't disagree with you and still see that you matter. Um, so we've lost that, but I think that, I think the way to get that back is to continue to demonstrate that. Don't get me wrong. You may have to demonstrate it with your dukes up. You may have to fight, but in the end, it's still the kind of thing where we have to begin to demand that where, mm, That's a, it's a tough place to be. I, I will demand civility from you until you punch me in the face. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And so, but, he, but he, he, here's the, here's the funny thing about it. The reason that, that I pause is because I think that sometimes, or I, I believe that we've created an environment where everything should be, you know, perfect. And perfection is the way that I see it. Perfection is everything coming from my perspective. Perfection is it being the way that I have it in my head. And anything outside of that becomes so foreign and so unacceptable until, until it should not exist anymore. And, and this is the issue that I have with, quote, cancel culture. And I say, quote, uh, because I don't necessarily like saying that, but I'm trying to make it clear uh, so mm -hmm. that people understand where I'm coming from that like there's no coming back when people make mistakes or the understanding that you realize that times have changed. Things are different now. So we have to allow space for that. Nope. One and done. You're out. Well, that's not even human. A part of our learning process is through trial and error. Right. So you have to allow for error. And I will tell you the disability community has been so heavy on I, I swear the disability community is one of the communities that eats their young. You know, it's like, it's, it's no coming back. But the truth is, this is a human experience. We learn from that. So um, I, I think that we have to, to push that forward. And it is hard. This is not easy work. This is not easy work at all. But yeah, I think you make a really valid point about how we're uh, tend to um, get more polarized these days. And, uh, I, I believe it's, it's social media and, and allowing 
people to take random pot shots at each other without considering consequence. Oh, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's frustrating because that's a tool that, that can be such a, such a positive benefit and could be a real, um, organizing tool to get people together, right. but it's also the space where people tend to shout each at each other the worst. Right. And, and, and let me tell you this, man, I think the other problem uh, with social media is that it absolutely, or not even just social media, but just media in general, the way that it is now, you can absolutely live in a world where you don't hear anybody else's perspective, but your own. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if, 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 if you believe something, you will, the only things that you will see are things that support that belief, no matter how erroneous it is. And that's scary because then you don't have diversity of thought, right? You know, you don't have diversity of opinion. And I think this is one of the contributing factors to the lack of civility that we have. I remember, and, and, and I saw this coming. I, I did. I remember I was at a large disability conference, a national disability conference. And this had to, this is when Al Gore was running for president. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I remember in the middle of this meeting that we were talking about getting people out of nursing homes. Right. And this was like a conference of probably about a good thousand people or something. And one lady went to the microphone and started talking about, in some instances, nursing home placement is a good idea. I never saw a crowd turn on someone so fast. I mean, literally, they were hissing. I mean, grown people hissed. <laughs> Jesus. It was like a production of cats. It was, it was wild. It was wild. And, um, and, and she's and, not necessarily wrong. It depends on the circumstances, right? Well, listen, 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 listen. My thing was at least allow her to finish her point. And they actually screamed her down to where she could not finish her point. So it was like, oh my God, even though I did not agree with anything she was saying, I, the way that she presented, well, the little bit that I heard because they shut her down so quickly, did not agree with anything that she was, that she had the opportunity to say, I felt like she had the right to say it. I felt like she had the right to, to voice what it is. And then I knew I was like, Whoa, this is, this is scary. This is scary. And, and we see it magnified so many times over today. I, I just had a very interesting conversation with somebody and this exact topic about diversity of opinions and thoughts and, and that it seems that today there is no such thing as a dialogue. It's just monologue. Right. right. And right. it's become, we're... it's become the new accepted normal. Yeah. And uh, just listen to the person who's shouting the loudest only. Right. Right. Or, and that's or who problem. has the most support. Right. And I'll tell you, I, I believe that the art of conversation is gone. It's gone right now. Um, and we, we have to have the conversations. This is why I appreciate this podcast um, and, and what you guys are doing um, with this, because it's the conversation. It's talking about those things that are uncomfortable. It's talking about those things that may ruffle a few feathers, but still allowing it to live and breathe and just talk, you know? So we got to have those conversations and we can't be afraid to voice different opinions. 
I believe that a part of our identity movement is that helping people understand that their voice matters, helping people understand that their opinion matters and that they have the right to voice it just like anyone else. So be brave enough to do that and give space for it to live. And honestly, sometimes that means you, you, you may have to take a couple of shots. You do, but hey, I'm willing to take them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, last week we had a very uncomfortable conversation about Ryan and chaps. So uh, <laughs> oh, we, we, are, we are used to having <laughs> conversations that make us all uncomfortable. Yeah, um, okay, you all keep that where it is, okay? Lamont <laughs> just like, I'm just going to let you all exist where you are right now. Yeah, you can have okay, that. They were, they, were, they were brailed. They were brailed chaps. It was, it was, there was, there was purpose behind it. Each oh, okay. 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 No, I, can, I, I was just about to say to each is reach. So y'all right. have <laughs> Oh, love it. We um, support accessibility in all its forms. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want access to those chaps. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, no, you know what? So much of this uh, makes so much sense to me. Um, a couple real quick questions. I, I know we're, we're getting short on time, but um, I, I'm curious to know, so in sort of the grand scheme of things, where do you see the, the, the first bit of work needing to be done? Is this something that we need to sort of build this disability identity among the disability community? Or is there an aspect of we need to educate sort of the, the mainstream? We, what do we do first? Well, here's the thing. I think we have to do that simultaneously. I think that work has to happen together because so much of the cues that we get in the disability community came for the quote mainstream. Okay. Um, so many of the, 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 the ways that we view ourselves comes from the quote unquote mainstream. And the reason I say quote unquote is because of the numbers. I mean, if you're telling me that you have a portion of the population that is anywhere from 1.3 to 1.7 billion of the people, uh, people, I am mainstream. I, I, I'm your mainstream. Th 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 this is me right here. So the truth is the rest of society has to realize that and begin to deal with it. So I think both of those things have to happen simultaneously. I think it has to be education from for, for general society, but also a really shift in perspective uh, from within the community as well. And the other thing that, I, that I'm curious about that, that you mentioned and that I see as something that is really integral is hitting the youth because that's where it seems to me that that's where no, the Rob, real Rob, change you, starts you to happen. You can't do that anymore. You're not allowed to take kids. <laughs> it's um, going to jail. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I had to blow luckily, that up. It was, it was luckily, too easy. <laughs> luckily, luckily, nobody listens to this podcast. So I'm completely saying, uh, no, but so, so, is, is that, do you sort of see that as, as one of the focuses and how, how is Billion Strong sort of uh, leveraging that? Absolutely it is. In fact, uh, but first of all, um, the youth are, are, are extremely uh, important to this process because, you know, it was, um, I can't remember exactly who said it, but, but the quote is basically, it's easier to have a baby than to build, to rebuild broken men. Um, and the concept behind it is if we can if we can help young people see a different perspective out of the gate then that happens and so we've partnered 
with the youth-oriented programs that were not necessarily focused on disabilities, but wanted to include that. For example, there's an organization called Younger. Um, that's, you know, that it, its focus is youth-oriented. Um, and this is, this is the group that we partnered with um, in terms of uh, pairing young people with, um, with seasoned executives and administrators and, you know, uh, those who run nonprofit organizations, not just so that they can be mentored, but so they can come up with solutions together to figure out uh, how we move things forward. So, yes, that's, that's ample, uh, and that's, that's uh, a top priority for us. Well, you know, you guys are in doing incredible work. Um, over you. the last hour, I mean, I am inspired and I'm excited to see um, where the movement goes. Um, I, I'm happily inviting you back to come speak anytime with us. Um, it's been a Thank great you. conversation. Anything that we can do to help, um, we are here. And uh, yeah, we'd just like to thank you for, for taking uh, some time out of your evening to talk with us. Oh, well, thank you. And I'll tell you what you can do. Go to billion-strong.org. That's billion-strong.org. Join the movement. It's free. Join the movement. Let your voice be heard. And we can change this world together. Thank you. Cheers. Speaking of cheers, LaMondre and I are going to have to do a, a liquor run. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm a cognac man. I, I, I love cognac. I, oh, nice. I, they they got cognac there, so. All right. Oh, the Duce is calling me. And what was the name of the store again? Frugal McDougal. Frugal McDougal. And you know what? Listen, I, you know I must like the place because I never plug anything. I was just get about to on mention the show the sponsorship ever. from Liz. Yeah. I was going to say, this sounds like sponsorship to me. You know? Cha-ching. <laughs> I'm writing this down. I have to contact them on Monday. Yep. Well, Frugal McDougal. Checks in the mail. Is it McDougal or MacDoodle? I think it's MacDougal. Frugal MacDougal. In terms of spelling. That is I know Rob, I know, I know for Rob to spell things correctly, you have to say it oh, the way listen. it's spelled. Listen. <laughs> say surprise. No. Hey <laughs> <laughs> <Say> Google. <laughs> <laughs> Lamondre, are you a, are you a gamecock? Uh, yeah, kinda. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> well, I live in Colombia, so you kind of have to be if you live yeah. in Colombia. Yeah. 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 No, I, I do support USC. I think that um, obviously this is a rebuilding year, but I, I think there's a lot of promise. Mm. So I'm a I'm a game gamecock by association. So ah, I'm not, okay. That's it's not my team, but I I have to root for them, or else mm. you know I'll I'll be you know in the out. So I gotcha. I understand how that so, is. Go Gamecocks. <laughs> right. Go Cox. That's it. <laughs> Listen, I, I really do appreciate um, how warm you all are. And I really do admire what you're doing. I love the depth of questions uh, that you asked. Um, I know sometimes I can kind of be long, but uh, I certainly do appreciate. They were at, me. Be, before you, 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 you signed on Lamondra, they were asking me about the difference between North Carolina and South Carolina. And they were like, why, why isn't there just one Carolina? Like, aren't you, aren't you guys all the same? And I'm like, not exactly. <laughs> I just thought, cause sometimes there's a rivalry, you know, like between North and South or like, right. you know, for, for us, you know, here in Canada, it's you have Vancouver and Toronto. Like we always, we always, you know, give Toronto 
sort of the business. Well, it's kind of um, it's kind of everybody against Toronto. I think every every oh, individual wow. city and well, no, every individual city in the country views themselves as having a rivalry with Toronto because Toronto is the biggest city in the country. Oh, you know? okay. And they they want to they want to measure up to the the champ, right? So gotcha. Yeah, not that, I, not, not that I'm admitting anything about uh, yeah, Toronto exactly. status. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but I I haven't seen a rivalry between North and South Carolina, other than just like sports teams here and yeah. there. But I think like I think like where there are rivalries is more like cities. Sometimes like New York versus L.A. Like definitely, yeah. but not really neighboring states. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, not but but completely different, uh, completely different ways of of thinking. Um, you know, South Carolina was the first state to secede from the Union, so we're separatists here. And unfortunately, what happens is I think that people are still fighting that war. I mean, literally, they're still fighting that wow. war here. Uh, and so it, it can be kind of wild sometimes. But um, Jeez. But yeah. See, look at that. We had lots, a lot of learning going on in this episode, I have to say. <laughs> you know, Lamondra, we've never yeah. heard of Frugal McDougal's before. You know? <laughs> never. Never heard of Frugal McDougal. And apparently, it's just right up the road. And you got Liz buying up all my liquor. So. I... <laughs> Well, that's what it is. I'm not. A, I'm not a cognac drinker, but I, I'm certainly open to suggestions. And gotcha. What do you drink? Um, I like bourbon. I like okay. beer. I like wine. Alcohol. Um, I do. I I like tequila if it's good tequila. Like okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good tequila. I, I recently good. had some Don Julio 1942, and oh, let's, wait a let me second. Just say I'm a fan. Wait okay. a second. All right, a fan of the nineteen forty-two. Okay, yeah, that was, yeah, that, was that was pretty sweet. Steve, I can, I can get on board. Yeah, with this. where was Becky from? Was it Virginia or Carolina? Yeah, West Virginia. Oh, okay, then never mind. Yeah. I was going to mention the tarantula. Yeah, okay. well, they might have it. Tarantula Azul tequila. It's blue. It's uh, so good. Citrus, it's, uh, citrus flavored tequila. Oh. Which, but they also have other flavors like strawberry and mango. Yeah, maybe Frugal McDougal's has that. Maybe those you can do meal yeah, on. Check it hey, out. They might. Yeah. Frugal. Well, all right. McDougal's. We'll have to post some photos. I'll I'll be in there taking pictures, and then I'm going to get thrown out. Going, what are you doing? <laughs> right. You work for the state liquor board. What are you doing here? <laughs> right. right. Well, while you're looking around, find yourself some Irish whiskey and drink it, thinking of me. Oh, there you go. All right. Good nice. deal. Good deal. Thank you all. The, the, this has been great, and I certainly will. We'll turn up the volume on it. So thank awesome. you. All right. Thank you. All Take right. Take care, sir. All right. You all have a good night. Thanks you so much. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That's pretty cool, you know. You, you think back to our interview with, with Deborah. This all got kicked off because somebody said that her kid wouldn't be able to do things, and now she's you know, yeah, front yeah. center of a, of a uh, international global movement. To, Several uh, global global organizations yeah. that are doing incredible work. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's 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 funny how life works. But I'm I I I'm telling you, I uh, out of a lot of the global organizations that we've talked to, um, I'm I'm most excited about this one. I, I'm not going to lie. Well, and he's such an articulate spokesman for them. I mean, my goodness, he's. He's uh, very clear, concise, lays out really great points. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I'm expecting good things from these guys. 
Yeah, and it's not, and not that you know, not that I'm I'm knocking any of the other organizations that we've talked to. They're all doing incredible work, but I feel like for for me as somebody on the ground, a lot of times when we talk to these organizations and their even their their mission statement or their mandate is sort of above my head. It's like above my pay grade. I don't necessarily grok what they're what they're actually doing or or how it all works. And with Billion Strong. I really feel like uh, I get it. Like I, I understand, and and they're they're focusing in on making some some real change on the ground because I also feel like there is a bit of a disconnect with global organizations and local organizations, or even the person on the street. But what 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 they're talking about is is very grounded, and and totally makes sense. It's, it's all about attitude, and, and that's both internal and external. Yeah. Um, people have to, to be loud and proud because that's who gets the attention. And I think that he's absolutely right. That's some of the things that need to happen in terms to, to make this a movement that, that gets traction. It, it needs a spark. It needs people to show up and to be loud and to, to connect on both like a, a local level as well as a global level. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see um, what the future has in store. I like how he was referencing that we need to demand a seat at the table. And, yeah. and my take on it is very much in line with him. I don't say demand a seat. I say, you just go in and you just take a seat at the table. You just take it. Yeah. You don't have to even, you shouldn't even have to demand it. You just go in there, you, you crash the party and you sit yourself down and you make your point heard. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. And so uh, there you go. Hey, uh, did you know that Frugal McDougal, they have a, a rewards club? Are you, are you a member of that, Liz? I'm not a Frugal McDougal rewards card member. You should really I, you get member only pricing on select brands. So I would recommend it if, uh, if I were you. I, you know what? Now that you're saying that, I, I, well, now it's all coming back to me. They do have two prices on things. Yeah. See? And um, so, okay. Foolish. So they're probably, you know what they, but they're, they're different prices is that they, they charge different prices if you pay cash versus credit. You guys keep mentioning them. And they aren't a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe they'd so, be interested. Liz, I think you better make a phone call this week and say, if you listen to episode 300 and whatever this is, you were mentioned 16 times. You need to pony up some sponsorship money. Hey, folks in Nashville, Tennessee, that's at 701 Division Street. Texas, Nashville. Carolina. What are you talking about? What? Wrong, wrong state, Steve. Wrong, wrong. No, no there's a frugal, they have there's multiple. They have multiple there. locations. Oh, okay. yeah. Are they all the? Are one they location all, near we can, you? We can do one location a week. Are they all part of the same frugal McDougal family? I, yeah, apparently Probably. they all have the chain. Oh. They all have the really tacky. Just look for the giant tacky-looking Scottish person yeah, on the so, side of um, their building. So the nickname for frugal McDougal um, <laughs> is. Tipsy McStaggers. <laughs> we always so we so I actually had to think about what is their real name. I'm like Frugal McDougal, but and that's how their business is listed. But everybody that's calls them, we for, we call them like Tipsy McStaggers. Is that I love name? it that, yeah, as right. the, the the little guy that that Scottish looking guy went the, the yeah we call yeah. him yeah that's that's Tipsy Tipsy McStaggers. <laughs> I don't know a cheap a cheap uh, Scottish guy in a kilt selling liquor. Um, 
that's uh that's a pretty accurate stereotype yeah yeah i mean listen <laughs> i'm surprised that, you know, that there's not plushies this should be they need they're onto something here this is this is touched a clearly touched a chord with us i so. definitely think you need to count how many times their name has been mentioned in this episode and somebody should send them either an email through their contact us form or pick up the phone and call them and say we gave you free marketing free send us a t-shirt send us something yeah we need exactly. yeah I, yeah, yeah, well, I'll, I agree. I'll have, I'll go on a liquor run down there and I'll personally tell them. Like, Especially in our demographics, I mean, the U.S. We're promoting you gotta give us, company. You got to give us at least some merch so we could be like, hey, check yes. this out. Like we got, this is, you know, we mentioned uh, Frugal McDougal X number of times and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> Send me a Frugal <laughs> McDougal bobblehead or something. You know? That's right. I'm going to have to. I'm going to put a logical pause in here for editing purposes. And we also support people who stagger. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I put frugal McDougal in the, in the, in the episode description, just so oh, it's searchable no. through. That's brilliant. So that somebody, somebody at frugal McDougal's be like, Hey, we, I, I Googled ourselves on, yeah. on Google and it came up with this podcast. I don't know what the hell is the deal with this. Is. Who needs AdWords? <laughs> Listen, I want you to go in. I want you to walk up to the counter. I want you to ask for Justin Sellers, who's the liquor manager. <laughs> and just tell him. And I'm going to reach out follow sent up. You, sent you. That's right. If You're going to say, we're, we're going we're gonna to send our regional person down there. Uh, her name is Liz Malone. Yep. She's our regional representative. <laughs> That's right. She's a roving correspondent. <laughs> I mean, can you really go wrong when you have a 21,000 square foot liquor warehouse? I wow. mean, yeah. Well, then they've That's got swag. They can, they can spare some swag. Yeah. So there you go. Monday to Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a theme song? Find, find a YouTube ad I don't know. Or no, but they have, they have weekly specials. Should we talk about their weekly specials? <laughs> Now, you know what? The one in South Carolina, though, I think it's closed on Sundays because you have to remember this is, it is. This is the Bible Belt. So that's right. No, it, it absolutely is. Store hours are only Monday to Saturday. Yeah. So there you go. Don't wait till Sunday. Shoo. Yeah. Yeah. Liquor early. So glad we live in civilization where we can buy <laughs> booze all, all week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a, uh, there's a thin line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, and sometimes. But we can't need get to it extend that line, though, can we? No. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's true too. Yeah, we can't. Uh, yeah, we can't get it from our gas station or convenience store yet. So there's work to be done. Right. Mm -hmm. I think right, you can anyways. in Quebec. Oh, Quebec's not part of Canada. What are you talking about? Oh, it'd be like that. <laughs> or an important we, part of Canada. They are. Look at this. We have our own global initiative that we need to work on. There needs to be more accessibility to booze. <laughs> Seven days a week. I think we need there a frugal McDougal in Canada. There you go. Yeah, hey. no, clearly, if they're looking to expand, I mean, listen, this, is, this could be our, yeah, this could be our big, our big thing. And if, and if not, if we can't get the rights to it, we'll, we'll just, let's just open a Tipsy McSwagger or what, Tipsy <laughs> McStumble or whatever. We'll steal that idea. <laughs> tipsy McStaggers. <laughs> There's a country song in there. Oh, well, listen! You can write the jingle. I well, can't even work on glitter and spangles. I know. I was. I, just, I think I was about gonna, it. You know, okay, let's, all right. All right, all right, all right. The episode. I heard your reference. We don't. We don't want you to think about it. We want you to write. I know. Come I on. Know. 
Nice. Shows like this are inspiring. It'll come. Uh, all right, we better get out of here. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> go find alcohol. That's right. Uh, hey, hey, Liz. <laughs> yeah, Rob. Uh, where can people find Frugal McDougal? <laughs> no, where can people find us? You can find me at Frugal McDougal's, but you can find us at atbanter.com. Uh, they can also you realize that that's kind of our, I guess that's a kind of our trademark of humor is that we just take something and then we just beat it to death until it's <laughs> a bleeding mass on the ground. But we, we, we are a sponsor's dream. <laughs> we, we are, but it, it would probably grow old after a few episodes. Well, you know, yeah, uh, maybe, uh, anyways, uh, they can also uh, drop us an email if they so, so desire at cowbell. Okay, you suck. At atbanter.com. I got it on the right prompt that time. What are you talking about? It didn't come through. No, you really? didn't. You got it on the, it's fine. There you go. You know what, what else, else, Steve? What? They can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're, we're all over the place. But only one of us is at Frugal McDougal's. And you can find that location at, that's your cue, Steve, read the address again. Oh, I don't know. I closed that uh, website. No, I, <laughs> I think it was 701, 701 Division Street, Nashville, Tennessee, if you're in Nashville. But I was looking at the wrong store. Fort, Fort Mill, South Carolina. So I'm actually, I'm on their Instagram page right now. They have a nice Instagram page. They have a lot of, <laughs> lot of pictures of liquor. Yeah, go in there and tell them AT Banter sent you. They've got uh oh listen, they've got they've got sparkling water called liquid death. Nice. Nice. Huh. Uh, anyways, uh where are we? What uh that's it. That's it. We're done. Okay. Uh well, thanks everybody for listening in. And of course, a big thanks to Lamandre oh. Pugh for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.